In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In this time of prayer, we can put ourselves into a scene from the Gospel of St. John. It's a very famous scene. It's an encounter of our Lord with a woman of Samaria, the Samaritan woman. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus wearied as he was with his journey, sat down beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus wearied with his journey. Jesus is tired. Lord, the saints and we too draw so much consolation from the scene. Your tiredness, your weariness shows us the reality of, of your humanity the reality of your human nature. And that shows us, in turn, that you really understand each one of us. You, you understand our human condition. As you might say these days, he gets it. Jesus gets it. He gets what I'm going through. He gets what I've been through. He gets what I have to face. Tiredness. Weariness. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And so we can put ourselves in the scene and perhaps be that woman or be a, a bystander. It seems like they were alone, so it's hard to imagine ourselves as a third person. And so we could, we could try to put ourselves in the shoes of this, of this woman. Many people have commented that she comes to the, to the well in the middle of the day because she was too ashamed to come when the other woman would come, either early in the morning or later in the evening when it was cooler. And so she comes in the heat of the day because of her status in the town as a sinner. And we too meet Jesus in our sinfulness, and we also meet Jesus in something that we do every day. And this woman encounters our Lord in the middle of her ordinary life, in the middle of her ordinary routine. This for her, coming to the well, was a daily occurrence, if not something more frequent. And, and who does she find there waiting for her? Jesus Christ, you, Lord. And Lord, you too are waiting for me in my daily tasks. You're waiting for me in those daily occurrences that I have to carry out. You're waiting for me in the people that I interact with every day. So Lord, give me supernatural vision. Help me to help me to truly find you there 
help me to see you in those tasks, to see you in those people. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And so we see, Lord, that you're not only tired, you're not only worn out by the journey, by the demanding nature of your public life, but you're also thirsty. Give me a drink. This thirst of our Lord, we know, is also present on the cross. From the cross, our Lord says, Sitio, I thirst. I thirst. He thirsts for souls. He thirsts for your love and for my love. Lord, help me slake your thirst with my fidelity to you. Help me slake your thirst with my prayer life. Help me to slake your thirst with my charity to others. Help me to see you in the people in my life, and especially the people I find it most difficult to love. Help me to love you there. You thirst in them for my love. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? This woman asks him in her surprise. And St. John explains, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Lord, there's a lot going on here. This, this woman is surprised by your dealings with her because she knows that you are a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And these are, these are exclusive groups. These are exclusive categories. And according to the, to the customs of her people and of your people, you shouldn't mingle. You shouldn't, you shouldn't mix. You shouldn't be asking her for this favor because she is a Samaritan. And this is so important for us to realize that, that the ways that we, the ways that we tend to divide people up are foreign to God's way of looking at us, are foreign to God's way of being. That we might think, oh, they're conservative and I'm liberal, or I'm of this race and they're of that race. And so we don't mix, we don't, we don't mingle. Or I'm of this economic or social position and this other person has that career or that position in society. And so we can't really uh, deal with each other. And for all of that, for Jesus, all of that is secondary. All of that is, is not important. Right? He's here to save everybody. He's here to love the Samaritans as much as the Jews, the Greeks, as much as what the Greeks would call the barbarians. <laughs> the Greeks had this habit of calling all non-Greeks barbarians. Black, brown, white, yellow, it doesn't matter the color of skin for Jesus. He's going to love everybody, and he wants us to do the same. Lord, don't let me, don't let me allow these superficial Distinctions, distinctions of race or ethnicity or political leaning to keep me from loving everyone that you love. And that is absolutely everyone. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? 
for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God, Lord, like this woman, I don't know the gift of God. I don't know how good it is, Lord, to have you in my life. I don't know how to deal with you. I don't know how to trust you. I don't know how to love you. Lord, I don't know the gift of God, and so I'm restless, and I'm inconstant, and I'm lukewarm, and I'm fearful, and I'm unhappy. Lord, let me know the gift of God. Let me experience, Lord, what your saints did. St. Teresa of Avila, who proclaimed, He who has God lacks nothing. He who has God lacks nothing. St. Francis of Assisi, who would spend all night repeating the prayer, Deus meus et omnia, my God and my all. If you knew the gift of God, Jesus is telling her, appreciate what you have. See what you have. Enjoy what you have. And so many times, Lord, I focus almost exclusively on what I don't have, on, on what's not there. I focus, Lord, on what's wrong, on what's missing, on what might go wrong. And that focus on the negative makes me sad, anxious, nervous, unhappy, uneasy. If you knew the gift of God, Lord, help me to focus on what's right, on what's good, on what's present, on your presence in my life, on your present and future care for me. Lord, if I could only focus on that, if I could only know the gift of God, the gift of your concern for me, for the whole world, well, I would face problems and difficulties, everything, that one day at a time, I would face them being much more joyful and calm and hopeful. Our Lord in another in another place in the gospel says, if you knew what made for peace, which is a similar saying, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew what made for peace. We've all had the experience perhaps of Knowing someone or a group of people who appreciate something that we don't appreciate or that we really can't appreciate yet, right? Someone might say, well, that's really good wine or it's a really nice guitar. And if we're not into wine, if we haven't learned how to taste it or if we never play the guitar or uh, don't know anything about guitars, well, we can't appreciate what they see. We can't appreciate what they're experiencing. We don't really know what they mean when they say, that's really good wine, or that's really a nice guitar. On the contrary, right, if, if we did, if we studied different wine regions, if we had some wine tasting classes, if we grew up drinking good wine, or if we had spent years playing the guitar with different guitars and getting into the different styles, we would be able to see what those people see. We would know what they're talking about. I remember once I was in a um, I was in a house where there was this painting, 
And the people who lived there were convinced that it was an original, that it was a, it was a religious painting from the 16th century. And so it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful painting. <laughs> and, uh, and it, it helped uh, our piety. Uh, but most of the people thought, well, this is, this is uh, quite valuable. And then I remember this, um, this uh, art expert came to the house and we asked him, well, what do you think of this? <laughs> what do you think of this painting? And we were all crushed because he said, it's a fake, <laughs> right? It's probably uh, 10 years old. No, it was more than 10 years. You know, it's, it was probably this century, right? But it was just... It was just a copy of um, of a more ancient painting. It's a fake, and so the same thing happens, right, with all sorts of things. Art appreciation. People take art appreciation appreciation courses or music appreciation courses to um, to be able to learn how to value what they know they don't value yet, and so they study classical music or they study the history of art to be able how to, to learn how to value and appreciate what they know is worth appreciating but they know that they're that they don't know enough yet they're not familiar with the topic enough really to appreciate it to get into it and lord we need to do this with you if you knew the gift of god more faith more love more hope these help us to appreciate God more. And sometimes people see in our life what we should see but don't. Right? Maybe someone will say to us, you have the nicest mother. And we might think, wow, I should have known that. But I'm taking her for granted. Or even worse, we might think, wow, she's got you fooled. And, and this can happen to us, right? That we don't appreciate precisely what's closest to us, precisely what we have. And therefore, we're not grateful and we're, and we're not content. So, Lord, just like people take those classes in music or art appreciation, we all need classes in God appreciation, in the appreciation of our Lord Jesus Christ, to know the gift of God, and the school where we learn the appreciation of God, how to value God, is the school of prayer. In my prayer, Lord, I learn by observing you. In my prayer, Lord, I learn by being with you. In my prayer, I let you be my teacher. And I ask you those questions. Lord, what are you like? God, my God, what are you like? Who are you, Lord? What do you want from me? What should I do? How can I help you? How can I please you? What's my mission? Lord, what are you like? Show me what you're like, Lord, so that I can appreciate you more. I can love you more. I can be grateful for your presence in my life so that I can know the gift of God and live and gratitude and joy that I have such a great good in my life. The school 
of the appreciation of God is the school of prayer, and it's a school of silence. Be still and know that I am God, we read in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. And in the book of Kings, we hear that story of Elijah and his encounter with God, that God appears to him in a still, small voice. So Lord, in order to hear you speaking to me, hear you answering these questions of mine, I need to be silent. I need to be quiet in order to hear your still, small voice. God whispers to our soul. He doesn't shout. He whispers to our soul. It's like a a good teacher or a good lecturer. Sometimes in order to grab the attention of their class or their audience, instead of raising their voice, they lower their voice. And And in coming to a crucial point of the lecture, a crucial point of their class, by lowering their voice, they make people lean in. And try to capture every word being said. And our Lord does the same thing. He lowers his voice. He speaks in that still, small voice, in that whisper. And so in order to, in order to hear him, we need recollection. We need interior and exterior silence. We need to cut down on the environmental noise around us and the internal noise of our distracted thoughts to come, Lord, into your presence and focus, to focus entirely on the person of Christ, entirely on one passage of Scripture, to meet him there, entirely on God's presence as creator of the universe or God's presence as present in the interior room of my soul, thinking of nothing but that, Nothing but him. And for this, it helps us to be more temperate and more mortified with electronics, with entertainment, with our personal devices, be they smartphones or Fitbits or laptops, all these things that put images and thoughts and ideas into our head. If we're constantly checking, constantly updating, constantly browsing and perusing all sorts of sites and all sorts of sounds and all sorts of images, well, we create a kind of environmental noise that's both external but also internal. That can be that that if we're not careful, it can become a serious obstacle to recollection. And therefore, a serious obstacle to external and internal silence. And as an obstacle to science, it could be an obstacle to knowing the gift of God. Be still and know that I am God. Another thing that helps us, Lord, to appreciate you is to study our faith. Sometimes our conception of God is just too small. We know too little. And so people get bored with God. Lord, sometimes I get bored with you. Not because you're boring, but because I'm boring. Because I'm not smart enough and interested enough and dedicated enough to learn more about you. 
And so I learn more about you, Lord, in prayer, but I also learn more about you with good theology and good philosophy and rereading the catechism and studying and getting to know the lives of the saints. And all these are ways of enriching my concept of God, which reflects in a small way, because my mind is so small, it reflects just how great God is. Our contemplation, our wonder, our appreciation of God is enriched by study. St. Josemaria said that we should have the piety of children and the doctrine of theologians. And so the piety of children, children have the sense of awe, wonder, how great the world is, and therefore how wonderful God is, because they're seeing it all for the first time. And they're not jaded by experience or jaded by their desires, which limit their interest in the world to what they want, like we are. The piety of children wonder at the amazing nature of the world, the amazing nature, therefore, the creator who can make all of this. But the piety of children as we get older is actually won by doctrine, by the doctrine of theologian of, of, of theologians. That, you know, I think the idea here is that the more we get older, the more we have to kind of be intellectually curious, intellectually aware of mysteries, the reasons behind our faith. And our sense of awe and childlike wonder will increase the more we attempt to know God, the, more, the deeper we go in the knowledge of our faith, the study of our faith. The more we study our faith, the more we'll be amazed by it. St. Anselm expresses this wonderful transcendence of God, that he's always beyond our thought, beyond our mind. He defines God as that than which something greater cannot be thought. It's kind of an intellectual tongue twister. That than which something greater cannot be thought. So the idea here is that the greatest thing you can think of, well, God will be even greater than that. This is similar to what something St. Augustine said. St. Augustine said, if you can comprehend it, it is not God. And so both ideas uh, reinforce the point that God is so great that he escapes our capacity to adequately imagine, conceive, or comprehend him. Our service, our devotion to God, our doing his will lovingly, will follow more naturally and more easily from our appreciation of just how good he is, if he knew the gift of God. We'll realize that he deserves to be served because he is so good, he's so wonderful. He deserves our utmost devotion because he's so adorable. He deserves sacrifice because he's given everything to us. Lord, help us to know the gift of God so that we can, we can serve you more easily and love you more readily. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman says, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus said to her, 
everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. The water that I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Lord, give me this water. Without knowing it, this woman is expressing her desire for God, her desire for a different life, her desire for a better life. And we too, Lord, say to you, Lord, give me this water. We want, we want your presence in us to be like this well that wells up, that, that slakes the thirst of our soul for contentment, for peace, for happiness, for meaning. And that overflows so that we can share that contentment, that happiness, that peace, that meaning that we find in our relationship with, with you, with others, with the people you've put in my life, the people you've called me to love, to take care of. Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. This you said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And so we see this dialogue, Lord, and we enter into it. Give me this water. Give me God. Give me yourself. I want a different life. I want a better life. And our Lord will say, go call your husband. You can't know the gift of God. You can't have this living water, this new life without conversion. Without turning your back on your selfishness, on your sinfulness, on your sinful past. And so she has to admit it to our Lord. I have no husband. And then our Lord takes that and says, you're right, right? You've told the truth about yourself. Good. In order, Lord, to have you in our life, to appreciate the gift of God, we have to appreciate, too, our status as sinners, our need to be saved. And so our Lord gives her this opportunity to be truthful, to convert, to expose herself to God's mercy by saying, go call your husband. And she's truthful enough for him. I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, what you have said is true. And this unlocks in her faith. It unlocks in her supernatural vision. It's a crack that our Lord uses to pour his grace in. And she says, I can see that you are a prophet. And later on, she, she talks about the coming Messiah. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will show us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So the truth about ourselves leads to the truth about him. When we let him know us as we are because we want him to know, he shows himself to us as he is. And so the whole time, our, the whole time this woman has been speaking to the Messiah without knowing it, the whole time this woman has been speaking to God without knowing it. If you knew the gift of God, 
And she didn't know who she had. She didn't know what she had right there in front of her. She didn't know who was asking her to give her a drink. She didn't know who had entered into her life. And then she starts to know it when, when she when she gets ready to change her life, when she admits the truth, I don't have a husband. I'm in a bad situation. I've made mistakes. What you have said is true. And then our Lord gives her the gift of faith. I perceive that you're a prophet. When the Messiah comes and our Lord says, I am he, the one talking to you right now, I'm the Messiah. I'm here to save you. And he's also God. So Lord, help me to have the same, the same journey, the same discovery in my prayer. Help me in my prayer, Lord, to discover who you are by admitting who I am. Help me to discover, Lord, the gift of God in my prayer with that necessary recollection, with that necessary reflection on your goodness. With this personal dialogue, Lord, in which eventually you will tell me, as you told her, I am he, the one who's speaking to you, the one who's been right here the whole time, in your prayer, in your life. I am he. I'm the Messiah. I'm your Lord and God. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady was the first one to recognize this about Jesus, to believe in his role as Redeemer, as Messiah, to believe also in his status as God. We go to her, help us, Our Lady, in our prayer life, in our charity, in our hope, to know the gift of God. Help us to enroll in your school as your students to grow in the appreciation of God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation, I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.